Welcome everyone to this week's episode of Cocktails, Convos, and Cold Ones. This week I am joined by the incredible and new friend, Joe Rinaldi. And before I butcher every awesome thing you're doing, I'm not even going to try. I'm just going to turn the floor right over to you and let you introduce yourself and we'll just jump right in from there. That sounds great, Chris. Thank you so much for having me. It's it's really awesome to be here. And I'm really grateful that we struck up a friendship just a, even a few weeks ago, maybe a month at this point. Um, but I will say a little bit about me. I grew up in Westfield, New Jersey, which is kind of in the middle of the state. But if you're from New Jersey, you kind of have to pick a side. So I side with the north. I'd say northern New Jersey. <laughs> um, and uh, really, I had a pretty normal childhood by all means, played a lot of sports, you know, was in school, whatnot. And the only thing that was really different about me was that I was diagnosed with a genetic eye condition called Best Disease. And so Best Disease is, uh, it causes progressive loss of central eyesight. And so through childhood, I dealt with um, sporadic periods of eyesight loss where I would wake up and I would realize that my sight was different than the day before. We would go to the doctor. I would get some kind of procedure done uh, in the past or early on. It was a laser procedure. And then more recently, uh, they switched to eye injections. So they actually inject a chemotherapy drug directly into the eyeball, which sounds a lot worse than it is, if I'm being honest. It's really not that bad. Um, but to get back on track, that affected me big time throughout childhood, my teenage years, um, but not to the point where I, I couldn't excel in, in the things that I did. So did well in school, did well in sports, went to college, studied biology, transferred schools to study exercise science, got my doctorate degree in physical therapy in 2019, worked as a full-time physical therapist for about two and a half years. And then just about seven months ago or so, I quit my full-time job and moved fully into the into the space of online coaching. I started my own business called Project Endure, and I uh, do a couple other things, writing, speaking, podcasting, and I guess I should have led with this, but uh, I'm also married, and, uh, and my wife, hopefully she's listening to this, um, is really my best friend, and um, that's just, uh, those are all the important things. And there is a lot to unpack there, which is <laughs> awesome. Um... So first off, I didn't realize you were a full DPT. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's how they trick. That's how they trick everybody now into spending a little extra money on school. They just force. They force everybody to get the doctorate degree. Yeah, my uh, my mother's actually a lifelong PT. Um, right from when she graduated, all the way up through now, still uh, working. So mad respect for PTs. I can't tell you how much money I've saved because I go, Hey, this hurts. And she goes, stop bitching. You're fine. <laughs> I can't say I've ever said that to a patient, but I'm glad that advice has worked for you. <laughs> it, it only worked for me because it was my mother saying it. She would never say that to a patient, but because it, but because it was me, she, she can say, uh, you're fine. Stop complaining. Go, go away. <laughs> I love it. Um, so talk to me a little bit more about um, the I thing that's gone. Is it BESS, B-E-S-S? -S? Uh, it's actually BEST, B-E-S-T. And I, you know, it's a little bit of an oxymoron, but I believe the, yeah. do the doctor who discovered the disease, his last name was BEST. So uh, yeah, it's a genetic condition. I, I didn't realize I had it until I was 10 years old. And one morning I... 
I literally woke up and I couldn't see out of my right eye at all. And so that set off this cascade of events where we saw specialist after specialist trying to get a diagnosis. And finally, I was diagnosed with this condition. And, you know, it's a rare condition. And so there, there's a lot known about it, but not enough to be able to predict what might happen down the road. And so I currently, at 27 years old, am legally blind in my right eye. But my left eye, knock on wood, is actually not too bad. So with both eyes open, I can read, write, drive, and do just about everything anybody else can do except maybe hit a baseball. Uh, It's my biggest limitation. And I can wake up tomorrow and be totally fine. Or I could wake up tomorrow and and not be able to drive a car and not be able to read the things that I, I read on my phone, on the computer. I just never know. So that's the reality that I live with, but I truly see it as, as a positive and I'm sure we can dive into that if you want, but it's uh, it's kind of something I've come to terms with. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's incredible. And the fact that you can even, I guess, from the everyman's perspective, even consider looking at it as a positive. I know one thing that you are huge into with, uh, project endure and do hard things is building a positive productive mindset so how how do you take something like best best disease and spin that into a positive aspect that's a great question and something that i've asked myself for for a long time for the past 17 years and really it boils down to this one season of life but to get to that season and have it make complete sense. I'll start in undergrad. And so I studied exercise science at Rutgers University and I decided I wanted to pursue physical therapy school. And I saw a lot of potential in the profession because I love movement. I love exercise. I love helping people. And I saw that as a perfect way to blend the passions that I had. And so I was dead set on physical therapy school, got accepted to Drexel University, decided to go there. And then just a few weeks before the program started and before I moved to Philadelphia, uh, I had an episode and I lost a significant portion of my eyesight. And that was really, really unfortunate timing. And the two weeks leading up to school were two of the hardest weeks of my entire life. I doubted whether or not I should still go. I questioned a lot about life in those two weeks. And I'm really fortunate looking back that my parents uh, encouraged me to go and they told me that I couldn't live life based off of what if, right? I was so worried. What if I go and, and I can't finish? What if I go to school and I can't see? Or, you know, all these worst case scenarios were running through my mind. And they told me, you can't think about what if, you have to live by even if. And it was even if I go to school and I lose more of my eyesight, I will figure it out. And so I went to school with that mindset and I would be lying if I said that the first year of school was anything other than the the worst year of my life. It was so hard for me to, it was so hard for me to get through. And I, I couldn't necessarily tell you why it didn't honestly have a lot to do with my eyes. It was just being in a new place, feeling very uncertain about life um, and just not sure how to pick myself up. And I was so used to being able to make things better with more effort in in life, right? Mm -hmm. Whether that was school or sports or relationships, I could just try harder and things would get better. But every single morning for almost an entire year, I would wake up and I would try with all of my heart 
to tell myself it's going to be a good day. And I try to put a smile on my face and no matter what I did, I just couldn't. And so that year led me to this place where I, I finally was able to uh, build up the courage and go on a date with this girl in my class who I really had just the biggest crush on. And as I spent more and more time with her, I began to feel better and better about myself and, and more like myself. I stopped thinking so much about how bad I was feeling. And before I knew it, I wasn't really feeling bad at all. And there was this moment where she was going to California for a six week clinical rotation and I was going to be staying on the East coast. And she dropped me off at a bus stop and we said goodbye and she drove away. At that point, we weren't even boyfriend, girlfriend. We were just hanging out. She uh -huh. drove, she drove away. And I remember standing at that bus stop feeling like I felt the first day of college when my parents dropped me off at school and I felt uh -huh. sick to my stomach as if I was homesick and I wasn't homesick. I was feeling that way because she was going to be gone. And I went into the, the closest building I could find and I cried my eyes out in the bathroom and um, I pulled it together and, you know, went on for the next six weeks. But I realized at that point that she was the person I wanted to spend the rest of my life with. And I realized that I wasn't going to be able to change my circumstances and me feeling sorry for myself me making excuses, me holding myself back because of my eyes, that was now not only going to affect me negatively, but someday it was going to affect her and everybody else that I cared about in a very tangible way. And so it was almost like this, this switch flipped. And I realized that while I couldn't control what was happening to me, I could control how I responded and how I responded yeah. was going to shape who I became. And that person was going to impact every single person that I interacted with. So that's really why I see it as a blessing in part because it led me to her and in part because I wake up every single day with a reason to be grateful and a perspective that I wouldn't have otherwise. That is, that's the, that, that was so impactful and just, I, I'm trying to formulate a response to that. Like, it's it's just incredible how you're one of the people who have been given every reason to just tell the world to fuck off <laughs> and you've you've spun that into being an incredibly open-minded hard-working positive caring person and there's one other person i've met who I would even who I would put on that same caliber and it's they one of my good friends out in LA who has cystic fibrosis who pushed through education got their master's degree early graduated undergrad early and between breaking up with a, a longtime girlfriend and um having now two double lung transplants Wow. Um, CF-related diabetes, rejection, and COVID, and pneumonia, and, like, they're a month older than me, and I'm 30, and it's, they've, they've been given every reason to just not, but they keep deciding to push forward, and they were given a Make-A-Wish, they were granted a Make-A-Wish Foundation wish. And he used that to write a children's book about persevering and never giving up, even when it's hard. Wow. 
and he's a philanthropist, an entrepreneur, and it's just, it's, it's, it's just incredible. And I, I honestly wonder, I, I think about that, his journey, even when I'm having a shitty day, cause it's like, I, who the hell am I to have a crappy in the dumps? Like I'm not fighting CF. I'm not literally fighting for my life every day. Um, mm. And all that stuff. But at the same time, to kind of spin a practicality on that, it's like, there's always someone who's having a worse day than you. You can't diminish your feelings and how you feel and push them to the side. Like, you still have to process them and go through them. Um, But, yeah, it's just, it's really inspiring to hear how you've spun such a shitty hand that you've been dealt and you're making such a positive impact on everything and everyone. Um, so I, w- I wanted to kind of push forward on that with uh, Project Indoor. So talk to me a little bit about what you're doing with that and what the whole crux of that is. Sure. So I started Project Endure uh, back in July of 2021, right after I left my job. And in the beginning, if I'm being completely honest, I had zero clue what it was, right? It was an LLC for me to um, keep everything that I was doing under the same umbrella, uh, but I really didn't have a clear vision as to even direction. And after a month or two went by, I started realizing that whatever Project Endure was going to become had to involve a few things. It it had to incorporate um, just the truth that I believe that true strength only comes through struggle. And that's something that I've learned over and over and over again through my own struggles, but through the stories of others. And that was the second component that needed to be present for Project Endure. It had to be a place where people could share stories, where people could open up and be vulnerable about the hard things, about those times in life where um, things are just dark and things are hard. But I wanted it to also be a place of hope and encouragement and positivity because for every season of life um, where there's darkness, where things are challenging, where it feels like winter, um, if you look hard enough in history and in each of our stories, there's springtime that follows winter and life is full of ups and downs. And one of my (laughs) least favorite and favorite sayings, this too shall pass. Um, it's my ah. least favorite. It's my least favorite because my mom, uh, when I was a child, would always say that to me, and I would get so frustrated because I would just think that is not helping me right now. I don't want to hear it because this sucks right <laughs> now. Um, but more recently, I was actually explained to by a friend that it, there's more to it than that, and that the full saying is, "This shall pass." And this too shall pass, meaning that both the good times and the bad times pass. And it really put things in a different perspective for me. So I wanted Project Endure to be an uplifting place where people could share stories of the ups and the downs, but really where the common theme could be that true strength comes through struggle. And so for me, Project Endure started as a place where I wanted to build community. I just knew that I needed to find the right people, bring those people together and allow them to connect with one another, have some kind of structure where they could hear stories of others, share stories of their own, um, so on and so forth. And it continues to evolve. And really my favorite part of Project Endure is getting to see people that I know both intimately and very loosely 
from all different walks of life come together and connect with each other, create friendships and know that, hey, if I'm having a bad day and I don't feel like getting up and going to the gym or I just want to take the easy way out, I know that Chris, who I connected with through Project Endure, that he shares the same values as I do and that he's doing hard things. And so I'm going to pick up my end of the deal and be part of this community and push forward together with this group. And I want it to be a place where people can reach out to one another, reach out to me and just feel supported and, uh, and encouraged. And so, you know, we center things around monthly challenges. The first ever monthly challenge was daily cold showers, which if I'm being completely honest, was my favorite challenge, but I think it was far from anybody else's favorite challenge. So um, that's why Stoddard was doing that. Yeah. Yeah. That's why. So Dan Stoddard, who, who it's connected connecting. us, right. It's all <laughs> connecting. So Dan, yeah, Dan, I mean, I could talk forever about Dan. He's one of the most incredible human beings I've ever, I've ever Don't met. Don't give away too much. Cause he's coming on the podcast. All right. It's a Next good teaser. Week, I believe. Yeah. 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 So listen to that podcast, but um, you know, to get back on track, it's, it's really a, it's, it's something that's near and dear to my heart. Project Endure is something where I feel so strongly convicted about its potential to impact people in such a positive way. But at the same time, I can't see into the future too, too far. And I'm just enjoying every minute as it unfolds in front of my eyes. And I'm just so grateful for the people in the community like yourself, Chris. Awesome. And it's, it's great to be a part of a community like this, where it's everybody is working is actively working to better themselves but acknowledging the struggles in life and i have kind of like a two-part question for you off of that first off how do you define struggle Mm. for someone so it's a, it's, it's a tough question. I think struggle to me is pretty synonymous with resistance. And so I think struggle is when things are not easy, when things are a little bit uncomfortable, when things are inconvenient. And so I think most people think about struggle on, on a physical or bigger scale where, you know, somebody's lifting a weight and really struggling to lift that weight, or somebody's going through a really traumatic life experience and, and struggling through that experience. But to me, an equal struggle is getting up in the morning when your alarm goes off or getting to the gym on the days where it's the last thing you want to do, but you know that you made that promise to yourself. And so struggle is resistance and that resistance can be big or small, internal or external, but that's what struggle is to me. That's awesome. And there were definitely some days in the last two weeks where I absolutely (laughs) did not want to go to the gym. (laughs) and so kind of the other aspect of that and talking a bit about uh, not, not targeting the community, but it's, it's always something that I wonder and question with some people who are in the like entrepreneurial, constantly bettering themselves thing. And I wanted to get your opinion on it of what, I don't know if it's the actual term, but I, I call it toxic positivity mm. where there's people are so focused on the good and smiling more and only being positive when you're at work and at home and with everyone you interact where you never acknowledge and really process negative feelings like you you almost shove them down that because you just don't want to face them whether it's out of fear or anxiety or 
or whatever. So what, what do you feel, how, how do you, uh, I guess, categorize my mm. off canon terminology of toxic positivity where you just, yeah. Yeah. I'm not phrasing you, that well at all. I hope, no, you, I hope I can, you get what I'm trying to say. I completely understand. And I've actually heard that term before. I actually had a guest on my podcast, um, David Skolnick, on the Pursuit podcast, I believe season two, episode 28 or 29. And he spoke about uh, this project that he's working on called the All Vibes Project. And it is exactly that, right? All vibes welcome, right? You can be happy, you can be sad, but just be real. And, um, and, and I agree with you, right? And, and I think to me, I see it in two different ways. One, I love the quote by Roy T. Bennett, be the reason that someone smiles today. And love that. I love that. Yeah. And I love that because I've been in that place. And I think if we're all being honest, we've all had those days or even weeks or months or years where the world just feels heavy and dark and a smile can absolutely change your day and even change the course of your life going forward. And I'll tell a quick story. It's something that I heard in middle school at an assembly and it stuck with me to this day. And it'll stick with me for the rest of my life. And so I guess before I tell this story, just uh, anybody who uh, maybe is sensitive to any type of trigger when it comes to, um, you know, just kind of, yeah, trigger, you know, you probably know what I'm talking about. Just uh, this is that story. So, you know, this uh, man was uh, in San Francisco and he ended up committing suicide by jumping off of the Golden Gate Bridge. And when the police did their investigation, they found a note on his nightstand table and the note read something to the effect of I'm alone in this world. Nobody cares about me tomorrow morning at rush hour. I'm going to walk one hour, one mile rather to the golden gate bridge at rush hour. And if one person smiles at me, I won't do it. And I get the chills every single time I think about that story or tell that story because this person walked past what, what must've been thousands of people And not one person even just looked at him and gave him a smile. And to me, the power in that story is that you never know what somebody else is going through. And Mm -hmm. so if I have the emotional capacity to bring some positive energy to the world, I'm going to do everything I can to do that. But on the flip side, I will not pretend to be something that I'm not. And I think to your point, Chris, the world has created this narrative where maybe it's just our society here or even just our bubble and our circle that you should always be positive, that you should always be optimistic, that you should always be smiling. And I I don't think that's, that's right. Right. Because we as human beings experience a wide range of emotions and we need to be able to fully experience and fully process those. And just on the whole point of struggling and endurance, I think suffering is one of the most beautiful things in the human experience. And I think suffering is actually when we're most alive, when we're hurting, when things are hard, when we're fully present and aware of what we're feeling. And I think that shying away from those emotions and those feelings is, uh, is doing a disservice to the human experience. So I know that was all over the place, but hopefully that answered the question. No, that that was great. And it's, I was actually thinking of the word, it's a disservice 
sorry, there's a motorcycle driving by right now. I'm <laughs> recording this on my patio to be outside for 15, 20 minutes today to hit my monthly nice. goal. There we go. Uh, <laughs> um, so I, I was actually thinking of the word disservice. It's a disservice to yourself to be the most genuine version of yourself you can be because I truly believe, and I've done a lot of, I guess, soul searching, if you will, in the last year or so of what does it mean to actually be living my true authentic self and to be living mindfully. And part of that was joining the whole non-alcoholic scene and making all of the friends and contacts and community members there and um, expressing that through the NA happy hour. And I, I, I feel like there was, there was a point at the end of last year where it, it, we could have taken things in a completely different direction. And I felt like that would have been a disservice because mm. we didn't try our best in my mind. And so I'm glad we kind of wavered away from that because doing, doing a disservice, whether you're in your job or emotionally and not admitting the true facts of what's going on, it doesn't just, hurt you it hurts the others around you and it impacts that so i love how your whole thing is take the good with the bad and the ugly like that's life and yeah sometimes it sucks but yeah it, you you grow from it and i love the um perspective on suffering you have and i was thinking of like a caterpillar almost where Talk about suffering. They mm. literally, their body literally turns into goop for <laughs> a couple weeks, but then afterwards they come out as a butterfly. That's literally a physical embodiment of breaking yourself down to build yourself back up into something better. Yeah. And, and one thing I'll add, I, I love analogies, Chris. So I'm glad you, Oh, me there. too. Me too. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm a big Tony Robbins fan and mm -hmm. Um, I was actually listening to a podcast with him earlier this morning and something that he said that I had never heard of before, but made so much sense is that when you look in nature, there aren't any straight lines, right? If you see a straight line, it's man-made. And if you look outside, you look at a blade of grass, right? It's, it's straight, but it's not right. If you look at a tree, it's, it's upright, but it's not straight. You know, there's so many examples, a river, you, you look anywhere, you, you can find it. Things ebb and flow, twist and turn. They always find a way to move forward and to survive and even thrive, but it's not a straight line. And I think the thing about life is sometimes we can look at the people around us and especially with social media, we can see, oh, it looks like this person is, is really doing great. And whatever they put their mind to, they accomplish and it's a straight line for them. And I, I just wish my life was more like that. But we don't get to see the whole picture and nobody's life is a straight line. But I think that's the beautiful part. And so just to add to your analogy, um, I think suffering and struggle is right. It's part of it. And the more we fight it, um, I think the less that we really get to actually move forward and experience the benefits of it. Yeah. Well, you, and, and the, the, the way of you're fighting it versus mm. shying away from it and the, the different, the, the subtle differences in those two perspectives of, are you 
fighting this for because you're afraid of it or are you shying away from it for a different reason and it it almost it never works out in the end because you're always expending more energy fighting it mm. than if you wade through whatever dark times it is i feel like you're also blocking your ability to process it too yeah and you know what maybe fighting wasn't the best word but i think what has worked best for me and what I've seen work really well for others. And what I think anybody who has ever gotten to the other side of struggle has realized is that at a certain point to get to the other side, to find the strength, you have to embrace the struggle. You have to accept that what's happening is happening. And you have to decide that you are going to control what you can control, nothing more and nothing less. And I think to me, that's what embracing struggle is really all about. It's uh-huh. accepting and acknowledging the reality of a situation or a circumstance and then deciding, being fully committed to move forward, only controlling what you can control. And I think that's one of the most freeing things that I've ever experienced as well. Absolutely. And that's one thing that has really helped me do a lot of growing this year of what can I actually control? Let's break it down and look at it. Look at the problem or the hard time that you're going through as essentially a project. I'm, I'm very data driven and mm. have a very analytical mind. And so my first thing is, all right, this sucks. How do we project plan it? We know what the project is. We know what the outcome is. Let's break it down. Let's segment it. And that gives me so much more control of the situation, even helping me realize what I can't control. Mm. So then I stop worrying about that completely. And that's, you, you hit the nail right on the head there. Focus on what you can control because what you can't control, you literally can't control. Like that's why, you put it in that category and there's no sense in worrying about it. What that's going to do is going to, it's going to do, it's going to happen and there's nothing you can do about it. So why are you going to try to fight it, resist it, uh, run from it or whatever? Cause no matter what you do, you're not going to impact it. Mm, yeah. I couldn't agree more. Oh. Yeah, I mean, this has been a great conversation. <laughs> we've, we've kind of hit all up and down the emotional uh, uh, highway, I guess. Rungs, ladders. I I don't know. I'm now blanking on an analogy for this one. <laughs> yeah, you know what? It, it, it went deep quick, but those are those are the best conversations, in my opinion. Oh, um, absolutely. They're, they're, what I, they're what I like to call campfire conversations, where mm. whenever I'm around a campfire, it always gets deep. Mm, and I, I, like I that. love that. Yeah, they're, they're campfire conversations. Yeah. And um, you know what, Chris, I actually had a quick question for you, if that's okay. Yeah, go for it. Uh, so I'm curious if you could sum up in, in maybe a few sentences or, or a minute, kind of like the driving force behind why you do what you do. What is my why? Yeah, exactly. Well <laughs> Are said. you familiar with Simon Sinek at all? <laughs> oh yeah, love Simon Sinek. Tell me, tell I, me about it. I read that book uh, last last year, year and a half, or two years ago, twenty twenty. Yeah, um, yeah, and that was a great book. But 
my why is I want to connect people. I want to be a positive force in the world and be someone who people can depend on, whether it's a an ear that listens or their computer blew up and they need me to fix it because they lost their term paper or, or, or what, but I just, I, I feel like there's not enough of that in the world. And mm. that's something that I'm really passionate about. And I want to help people live healthier lives because nobody wants to be unhealthy or yeah. lazy or anything like that. And, I want to I want to be that person that helps jumpstart mm. the newer version of themselves and I I found a way to do that through the happy hour by introducing like non-alcoholic beverages to people or um the weekly happy hours that we had last year and people have noticed when we weren't posting as much like are you guys okay what's mm. going on like I'm just hanging out with you and I can see that impact coming back and the community that we've built. It, that's, that's why, because I've, I've had people meet each other through the community. I've had, I saw your post earlier of two of your clients met up yeah. for like coffee or something. Um, I had some friends who went to athletic brewing. They happened to be there at the same time. So I started a group DM with them on Instagram. when I said, both of you need to find each other now because <laughs> you're both amazing humans. Aww. And that's, and that's what they did. And they hung out and had a few brews together. Um, so to, to sum it up, I guess my, my why is I just want to bring people together in a positive way and mm. develop a sense of self accountability for self-reflection which leads to the overall goal of getting people to live healthier lives yeah yeah that's beautiful i really i appreciate what you're doing and why you're doing it and it's just uh, i think one of the best feelings is getting to create relationships with amazing human beings and then connecting amazing human beings with other amazing human beings because at the end of the day Life is really about relationships and that's, that's where impact happens. That's where impact gets passed on. Uh, and every, everything we do is just a ripple effect. And so, you know, I love podcasts and I, I hope this podcast reaches someone or, or may, hopefully multiple people who just needed this conversation and that that's yeah. the beauty of it. It's, it's going to reach all of the people, <laughs> every single person. <laughs> I love it. Uh, but yeah. Now, so the final question I wanted to ask, because we touched on this earlier this week, going back and forth, we need to have it out about the best soreness uh, day. <laughs> I said we would talk about it, and yep. I think this will be a great conversation uh, ender to wrap up with. So, after first off, what is your favorite muscle group to lift? And My then the follow up question is, what is what is the most satisfying like day after or mm. Dom's soreness that you experience? Yeah. So let me, let me say this. I've got a pretty open mind and I, I like to think that I'm a reasonable person, but 
we can have this conversation, but there's no change in my mind. So, <laughs> um, hey, this is all all inclusive. You're entitled to your opinions. We can still respect each other, but disagree at the end of the day. Absolutely. So, all right. Um, my favorite muscle group to lift is legs, and my favorite soreness is also legs. And let me just add in one of my favorite quotes, uh, or really phrases from the movie Miracle. And it is the legs feed the wolf. And I can explain that more if you need, but I'm going to leave it there before you give your answer. No, no, no. Go, go into that one. Oh, yeah. So, that's, so a, that's a great quote. Oh, yeah. So the legs feed the wolf. Actually, the first time I heard it was playing college football. Our coach kind of just threw that in there when he was giving a post-practice speech. But I, I didn't think much of it at the time. And then I heard it again while I was watching the movie Miracle. So I decided to kind of Google it and, and look it up. And really wolves, um, they, they hunt, but they don't eat just because they're a wolf, right? Just because a wolf is a wolf doesn't mean that it gets fed. It has to use its legs. It has to run. It has to hunt. It has to work. And so I think I've been enamored ever since with the concept that the legs feed the wolf, meaning if you want something, you have to go get it. You have to work for it. And to me, it just pairs so well with the fact that legs is my favorite body part in the gym. And when I feel sore in the legs, I feel like I did it, right? Like I, I'm, I'm feeding, you know, the legs feed the wolf. That's awesome. I love that connection. I absolutely love that connection. It's a little like abstract because really working out legs in the gym has very little to do with that quote, but you know, I like the connection. So I kind of just keep it, uh, I, I keep it in my head sometimes. No, I mean, it's, it's definitely, I think a very relatable, uh, situationally relatable connection. Cause you're, you, you need the legs exactly as well. So you need the legs to go out and get it, to chase the dreams, to build the, uh, your podcast and Project Endure and all of that stuff. And you need to be able to go out and move and do the hard things that you're encouraging other people to do. So I think it works perfectly. Thanks, man. So, well, what's your, what's your answer? My favorite thing to lift is arms. I love crushing an arms day and going home and showering and not being able to actually like wash my hair <laughs> because I physically can't move the shampoo around. <laughs> it's just, like that's just I, I love arm fatigue. Mm. Um, my favorite soreness, though, I'd have to go with back. Um, mm. for for a specific reason that I did back one day in college, and my friend and I the next day I would and I destroyed my back not like injured but like yeah mm. um destroyed my back on a back day one day the next day we were watching robin williams weapons of self-destruction stand up <laughs> and I, I was laughing hysterically but my back was in such pain. Every time I laughed, it hurt more, which then for whatever reason made me laugh more. I think that's like a self-reflective, like schadenfreude feeling of like getting joy and pleasure out of someone's misery. And my friends started laughing and it made me laugh more. And then my back hurt more. So we were laughing more. And it was just, 
we were inaudibly cackling for mm. about 45 minutes um, in college. I just have a really good memory of that. So whenever I lift back and it's sore the next day, I immediately think about that and just start hysterically laughing regardless of where I am. Oh, I love um, that. So that's that's my that's my answer, and I'm sticking to it. All right, all right. I I respect that. I don't agree with it for myself, but I respect it. Much appreciated. Much appreciated. Of course, but Joe. Thank you so much for coming on and chatting with me for almost 45 excellent minutes. Um, I hope we stay in touch. I hope to see you on this podcast again in the future. Um, yeah. Where, where can people find you? How can people get in contact with you? Absolutely. Well, before I give that, let me just thank you, Chris. Um, it's been a pleasure to be on and, uh, I'm really looking forward to just growing with you in the coming weeks, months, and years and, uh, continuing the friendship. So with that being said, I am all over the place, all over the internet, but the best place to find me and the best place to connect would be Instagram at Joe A. Rinaldi. And you can find everything else from there. And I would love to talk to anyone who wants to connect. Awesome. Love it. Thanks again, Joe, for joining. And yeah, we'll keep in touch. Sounds great, Chris. Thank you. Talk to you later, man. Bye. Bye.